Thank you, guys. Hope you have your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. Just a moment, I'm going to pray. Uh, this is going to be a continuation of last Sunday. And I want to point out that in your bulletin, in your bulletin is a brochure about My Hope America with Billy Graham. And I want you to get that out. And if you will, if you will open it up like this and uh, to where the picture of Billy Graham will be facing away from you and you'll be looking at the inside of it. Because I want to again explain what this program is about and the biblical basis. Uh, you and I must understand that our Lord has given us his word with many, many purposes. And one of those is to model how he wants us to serve him and win others to him. So with that said, let me pray and we'll get started, okay? Father, we would never come to these moments without first asking your blessings upon what we say and do in the moments ahead. Father, I am so grateful for your holy and inspired word that you've given us. God, forgive us when we've laid it aside and when we've not allowed the Spirit of God to take your word and penetrate our hearts and minds with the commission that you've given unto us as a church. And Lord, I know that you want us to come voluntarily and intentionally to you to serve you. That we come not because someone else makes us do it, but we come, Lord, because as you have loved us, we love you and want your love to be seen in and through us in a world that needs a Savior so desperately. Father, I thank you for the wisdom that you've given the Billy Graham Association. And, Lord, I thank you for this program, My Hope, that's been used in countries around the world. I thank you, Father, for the many people that have volunteered to be Matthews, that have invited lost folks into their homes and shared the gospel with them. And, Lord, I thank you for the millions of people that have trusted Christ through this program. And, Father, I pray that as you speak to our hearts, Lord, about our becoming Matthews and opening our homes to those that do not yet know your Son, I pray, Father, that you'll bless us. Truly, Lord, there's fear in our hearts when we think about sharing the love of Jesus with others and being your witness. But, God, help the Spirit of God to empower us and help us to see beyond our fears to the Savior who not only died on the cross but conquered death and sin and hell itself so that we could have the power of Christ within us to serve you. So, Father, I pray in these moments ahead that you will speak. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, let me read this passage of Scripture again. I'm going to be reading out of Matthew 9, verses 9 through 13. <clears throat> As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax office, and Jesus said to him, Follow me. And Matthew rose and followed him. And as he sat at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, and listen to this. Jesus gives, and we're going to look at this closer. Jesus gives a threefold answer to their criticisms. Number one, those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. Number two, 
Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And number three, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Last Sunday, as I tried to share this program with you, I asked you to meditate upon these verses in Matthew 9. And let me just give you some highlights, okay? And first of all, I want to point something out. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell this same story. And folks, in Mark and Luke, Matthew is called Levi. And I want to just kind of briefly explain what happened. When, when Levi came to know the Lord, his name was changed to commemorate the great transformation that took place in Levi's life. And the name Matthew means gift of God. Folks, you and I need to understand that Jesus changed Levi to Matthew, not just in name, but in heart. And Matthew's whole life was changed, and he became an obedient follower of Jesus Christ. Look at some of the details we find out about about Matthew. And folks, I want to point something out. All uh, three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, give us these details. Number one, Matthew was a a tax collector before meeting the Lord. Now, folks, just think about this for just a second. A tax collector was hated by his fellow Jews. A tax collector normally was a cheat, an extortioner. He was considered to be a traitor to his own Jewish nation because he had become a servant to the Roman government. And folks, I don't know of any place in the scripture that a tax collector is not mentioned in a negative way except It's mentioned in a positive way as Jesus reaches out and befriends them and loves them. But so often when tax collectors are mentioned, they're grouped with sinners. And and this is a very polite way of saying that tax collectors were considered scum. Have you ever used that word to describe somebody? They're just the scum of the earth? Well, folks, that's the way people felt about tax collectors. And Matthew was a tax collector. Jesus came to and called Matthew during his daily activities and his daily living. And folks, don't miss this point. Jesus came to Matthew where he was, even in his sinful lifestyle, even in cheating his fellow Jews out of money and extorting money from them, Jesus came to this man. And folks, as I was reading, this is why I wanted you to meditate upon this passage of Scripture, because just as God can speak to me and show me things about Scripture, he can you also. And I'm serious when I say that. Folks, it dawned on me as I was reading this passage of Scripture, much of Jesus' ministry and evangelism, winning people to himself, happened away from the temple. Now think about this for just a second. Folks, if you think everything God's going to do in your life, in my life, and in the lives of others is going to happen when we come together and worship, we're wrong. Folks, most of what happened in Jesus' ministry happened outside of the temple. And folks, it ought to be said of us that the ministry that we do, we come to this place to get fired up and to get energized and the Bible word edified, which means to be trained and equipped to go out and serve the Lord. 
And folks, our ministry does not end when we walk out of the doors of the church building. That's when it begins. Folks, you remember seeing on, on the video that uh, I love that, that man's face with the earth painted on it. And it said, every saved person is a missionary and every lost person is a mission field. And folks, that's the truth of the gospel. And Jesus lived this out. And folks, listen. Jesus went to Matthew in his daily living and he called him. Jesus said, follow me. And look what Matthew did. Jesus called Matthew to salvation, then discipleship, and in Luke 5, 28. And that's why I wanted you to know that all the other gospel writers tell this story, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that Luke tells us that when Jesus told Matthew to follow him, he left everything and rose and followed Jesus. And folks, we need to ask ourselves this question. Have we left everything and rose and followed him? You know, again, and, and I... Look, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just trying to state the truth up here, okay? Don't most of us get saved and then we walk away from the Lord and say, when I get ready to die, Lord, I'm going to turn back to you and, and I'll, I'll, I'll be ready for you to grab a hold of my hand and take me to heaven. Folks, we need to understand that the call to salvation is also a call to discipleship and service and ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ. And Luke tells us that Matthew left everything and followed him. And folks, then an amazing thing happened. Matthew invited Jesus to his house. Listen to this, his house. In Mark 2.15 and in Luke 5.29, it is described as Matthew's house. He invited Jesus to his house for a meal to honor him. Now think about this for just a second. Jesus has changed Matthew's heart and his life, and so he invites the Lord to his house to honor him. Have we invited Jesus to our house to honor him also? But folks, it was more than just to honor the Lord for his salvation. Matthew invited his lost friends to meet Jesus. Is this not remarkable? And folks, Warren Wiersbe says that surely many of his fellow tax collectors were Gentiles. Can you imagine the talk in the neighborhood? Can you believe that Matthew guy? I don't know if they had a neighborhood covenant, but surely they wouldn't want the scum to come into the neighborhood, would they? And guess what happened? He invited people like him prior to meeting Jesus that were lost. Can you imagine, can you imagine that meal, that dinner? Can you imagine how those folks got more than supper or dinner? They found out about the Savior. And folks, any time that God is at work, Satan is going to try and tear the work down. So what happens? The religious elite begin to criticize the Lord. The Pharisees and their scribes ask the disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Obviously, they would not do this. Obviously, they would never invite a tax collector or a sinner to their house to have a meal. And Jesus gives a threefold answer to these folks. Verse 12, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Would we not agree that we have a world that is full of people who are spiritually sick and sin sick? And guess what? Jesus said, this is why I came. I am the physician who can heal those that are sick. 
Verse 13, listen to this first part of verse 13. Go and learn what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Now, folks, I want to tell you, that verse really kind of rattled me. Look at this. And you know, it goes back to the Old Testament concept. These scribes and Pharisees, man, they were in church every time the doors opened in the temple. They were observing all the laws. They were meeting all the rituals and traditions of the elders. But there's something that they did not have, and that was love of people outside the walls of the temple that were lost and without hope. And listen to what Jesus says in verse 13. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy. What is mercy? Love for others and not sacrifice. Folks, listen to what I believe Jesus is saying here. Love for others, especially the lost, is more important than observing religious rules and rituals. As they used to say in South Carolina, put that in your pipe and smoke on it, all right? No, 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 I'm not being a smart aleck, I promise. You, you know when I'm being a smart aleck, but I'm not trying to be that this morning. I'm simply saying, look, look, folks, what we do when we come together and worship is so important. But, folks, this is about us getting energized and trained and equipped so that we can go out and touch the world in Jesus' name. And what we do beyond this place is so very important in the Lord's sight. And especially when we love others, I believe that the main reason people will turn to Christ through us is when they see that we love them. And I've told you so many times, I'm not embarrassed to tell you again, but it is because a neighbor woman loved me and my brothers and my mother that we turned to Christ. It was her love. That was it. I knew nothing about the Lord Jesus Christ or about the Word of God or about praying or any other form of religious ritual. I knew nothing. But when she loved us, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that there must be a Savior. And folks, Jesus is saying to these scribes and Pharisees, the religious elite love others. That's the greatest proof. That's the greatest proof that I'm living inside of you. And Jesus says in verse 13, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Think about that for just a moment. Let me go back to Matthew 9, 9 through 13, okay? All right. Jesus has set a model, one of many patterns of evangelism for us. And folks, Jesus is the master teacher and example and I shared with this with you last Sunday. I want to say it again. I've been in college and seminary, and I'm supposed to be trained, but it dawned on me in reading this passage of Scripture two weeks ago that we must identify and follow the examples and models that Jesus gives for evangelism. And, folks, let me give you a very simple definition of evangelism, okay? Bringing people to Jesus through Christ-like love and sharing the story of Jesus with them. That's evangelism. Because, you see, that's our part, and God does the rest. Matter of fact, he's already done the rest. Jesus died on the cross to save sinners like you and me and people that are in the world. Folks, according to Matthew 9, verses 9 through 13, look how Jesus won people to himself. Number one, he revealed himself to Matthew. He changed Matthew, and he charged Matthew to follow him. Folks, look at that. If you, hold on just a second, Steve. Look, number one, Jesus revealed who he was. 
Matthew's not going to turn his life over to Jesus unless he recognizes that Jesus is who? The very Son of God to save the world. Number two, excuse me, I'm sorry, the second thing on that, Steve. I'm sorry, I'm confusing you, and I know that. Jesus changed Matthew. That's the name change from Levi, the tax collector, to Matthew, the gift of God. And he charged Matthew, follow me. Matthew did that. Secondly, Jesus made friends with the lost. Amen? He did. Luke 19.10, Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. How are you going to do that? You're going to make friends with them. You're going to go to them. You're going to find them. You're going to be with them. Number three, Jesus spent time with the lost and fellowship with them. One of my two favorite verses in, in Luke is, is verses 1 and 2 in chapter 15, the introduction to the three parables. Now, the tax collectors and sinners, notice again how they're grouped together. The tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, and the Pharisees scribed murmuring, saying, Look at this. This man receives sinners and eats with them. Jesus spent time with the lost. He fellowshiped with them. Jesus was a friend of sinners. And folks, I want to ask you, as Christians, how do non-believers view us? Are we their friends? Do they see us as hypocrites, as critics, as judgmental, as snobby and thinking that we are above them? And folks, there's something that I think that's unseen in this passage of Scripture, number four. Jesus prayed for the lost. Now think about this for just a second. We know from the gospel records that many times at night, Jesus would slip away by himself. Sometimes he would take his disciples with them. But Jesus spent many hours in prayer. Why? Why does Jesus spend so much time in prayer so that he would be prepared to love the sinner and lost and share with them? Folks, you and I need to spend time in prayer. Jesus went, number five, to where they were. In Mark 2.14, Mark says he saw Matthew sitting at the tax office and it's thought by many that there were roads that travelers would come into town and that's where some of the tax collectors would sit and as you came to visit town or to do business, that's where they would take up some of the tax money from you. Either at his office or out on the roadside, Jesus went to Matthew. Number six, Jesus pointed out Matthew's sin and separation from God, but he loved Matthew and told him about God's love for him. Folks, there's something we must not mistake. We must help the world understand that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus. And folks, we cannot, we cannot say, well, you're okay, I'm okay, God's okay, and he's just going to love you into his kingdom. Folks, the truth of the matter is that we'll not seek a savior until we recognize that we're lost in our sin. Again, think about the models where Jesus met people. The woman at the well. She had to come to grips with the reality of her sin, but then Jesus gave her what? The living waters. Number seven, Jesus invited all to drink of the living water and eat of the bread of life. In your brochure that I hope that you've got open 
and we've got you got it in your hand this morning. I want to quickly explain how does this my hope with Billy Graham work. If you volunteer to become a Matthew in the month of November, you would invite people to come to your house. Now, let me explain to you what, what we mean by that. In this little brochure, you see all the way to the right on the inside of that, my Matthews list, my Matthew list. Folks, there, there are 10 spots there, people that you can invite to your home. But I want you, under the leadership of the Spirit of God, to determine how few or how many God might lead you to invite to your house. And folks, something has really touched me about this program, and I want to share this with you. If you don't know if your spouse, whether it's your husband or wife, is a believer, you might want that to be the only name on your Matthew list. Please hear me again from the heart. We're not judging people. We're not condemning them. We're loving them. And this might be an opportunity that you could have that one-on-one -on -one time with your spouse and say, Honey, it's something I, I've really been concerned about. I don't know if you're saved or not. Can I share with you? Can I share with you about what I understand it to mean to be a Christian? And can I ask you if you would trust Christ as your Savior? It might be your child or your grandchild. Children, it might be your parent. Senior adults, it might be your brothers and sisters who are getting on up in age, and you don't know. Ask God if this would be the opportunity for you to invite them to your house and share the gospel with them. Invite people to your house. Number two, watch the special program uh, featuring popular music, real-life stories, and a powerful new message from Billy Graham. And if we don't know yet, I don't know yet how this is going to work out. If this is going to be like a simulcast, if you don't have the capability with your cable system or, or antenna or satellite, then we'll get the DVD so that you can have this program to show. But share. In a three-minute testimony on the back of this, sharing your story. And the first thing you're going to say is, I can't do this. Now, now listen, just listen. In 30 seconds, tell what your life was like before you received Jesus. 30 seconds, explain what caused you to turn to God. 60 seconds, share the circumstances of how you received him. 30 seconds, repeat the prayer you prayed to receive Christ. 30 seconds, explain how your life has changed since Jesus became your Lord and Savior. Three minutes, three minutes of sharing. And then the final thing is to ask your friends, your family, whomever you've asked, if they'd like to receive Christ as Savior. On the back of this also is a prayer encouraging people who want to invite Jesus into their heart to do that. And, and I know some people say, well, that prayer doesn't save you. No, it doesn't. Jesus Christ does. But let me tell you something. When you and I pray, we're inviting God into the situation, aren't we? And I believe that you need to pray and ask Christ to come into your heart because what does he say? Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. That's what he said through his word. And folks, people need to understand I did it the biblical way. I did it the way that the word of God instructs me to do it. So I know that my salvation is secure because I did it the way God said to do it. Look at the, back on the middle part again. Let me show you these things that you can do.
Uh, Steve, if you go to the next frame, you can look around, identify the people, whether they're friends, neighbors, coworkers, fellow students, and family who do not know the Lord as their Savior, and write their name on your Matthew list. Then you begin to look up. You begin to pray. And folks, you might be saying, while we're talking about this now, we're not going to do it to November. Preparation time, prayer time. Look out. Look out for opportunities to build relationship with these people that you're going to ask. Look forward to the event. Invite the people on your list. Prepare the three-minute story. Pray for God to help as you invite your guests to receive Christ. And then look after those who give their lives to Christ. And folks, the final thing that I want to say today is this. Here's the invitation to you and me today. Number one, would we listen to the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, today? Would we become a Matthew for the Lord? Now, I know that many of you say, I'm still not ready to make this decision. That's fine. But if you are this morning, in just a few moments, I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things, okay? Number two, would we commit ourselves to be involved in this My Hope with Billy Graham program? Steve, if you'll go to the next slide. And number three, would you pray, invite, and share the love of Jesus with others? And folks, there's a fourth thing that I want to point out that is so very important. Would you allow yourself to be prepared and trained to invite others to come to your home to have more than dinner to meet Jesus? And let me point something out. There are going to be two My Hope training sessions one on Sunday afternoon, May the 5th, from 12.30 until 3.30, and one on Sunday, May the 19th, from 12.30 to 3.30. Now, folks, you don't have to come to one. This is three hours of your time. I know that. But, folks, we're talking about people's souls. We're talking about being used to the Lord. Lunch and child care would be provided, and you can sign up on the sheets posted around the church and in Sunday school classes. You would be given... Uh, material. Uh, here's the manual that explains again the program. Here is the little decision card with scripture and a prayer that you could lead the people in. And here's a little uh, booklet that you could give to those who receive Christ as their Savior. But here's the final line. I don't want anybody, if you say, well, I can't do this, I don't want you to feel embarrassed when we call this morning after a time of prayer for people that are willing to commit themselves now to do this. I'm going to ask if you're willing, if you already know this is what the Lord wants you to do, I want you to come down and just kneel around the altar. We're going to have prayer in just a moment. Don't, don't come yet. Um, and, and I know that you don't have to come to the altar, but folks, if you come down here, that'll help others to see that you need their prayer support. And folks, maybe today you're not ready to do this. Folks, I pray that God will speak to our hearts. If only one person comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ, will it not be worth it? And folks, we're looking at a world that is being devastated by hate. We can change it by the love of Jesus Christ that he shares with others through our lives and through what we do. And I just pray that you'll consider this.
if you've already made your mind up that this is what God wants you to do. I want you to come after we have prayer and as we begin to sing a hymn of invitation. I want to tell you about this hymn that we're going to sing in just a minute. I'll tell the world that I'm a Christian. Are you familiar with that song? It's been around for quite a while. I'd never heard it, though, till I was a freshman in college. The college I went to was a Southern Baptist school. And we had chapel services three times a week. And there was a very beautiful woman. And I'm not just talking about physical beauty. I'm talking about a woman whose life you could just tell there was something different about her. She was on the staff of the college. And she sang this song at one of the chapel services. I'll tell the world that I'm a Christian. I never heard it before. I want you to listen to the words when we sing, but there's something else. As I think about that lady, I didn't know this until after she'd sung, but someone said that she had recently lost her husband in a car wreck. But she was standing before students with the greatest smile on her face saying, I'll tell the world that I'm a Christian. Folks, will we do that? That's our calling. Tell people that we're following Jesus Christ. They might make fun of us for a while, but if we're living a true Christian life, guess what? They're going to see Jesus in us, and they'll be led by the Spirit of God to trust him or to seek him. Let's pray together. Father, lead in these moments of invitation. God, perhaps you're already dealing with hearts, and people here know that this is something that you want them to do. And if it is, Father, I pray that they'll come and kneel at this altar. And I pray, Lord, that we will support them in prayer. And I pray, Father, for others that are, that are afraid. They know that this will be a good thing to do. And they know, Father, that there are people that they could invite to their home because they don't yet know your Son and Savior. I pray, Father, that you'll give... Give us the courage to say yes to you. Thank you, Lord, for Matthew who, who left everything and followed you. Lord, help us to leave our fear behind. Help us, Lord, to leave what we consider our inabilities and our inadequacies behind. And just help us, Lord, to grab a hold of your hand and just trust in you. And, Father, this morning I pray that if there's someone here that needs to trust Christ as Savior... And, Lord, they've heard the story many, many times from the pulpit, the Sunday school classroom, from Christian parents or grandparents or others, Lord, that love them, but yet they've never responded. Oh, God, this day, help them to see who Jesus truly is. And may they come to him in repentance, turning from their sin, and may they come in faith, believing that Jesus died on the cross to set them free from sin and to make them a child of God. Lord, may the Holy Spirit of God truly...